if you and your spouse bank at the same place and both are signers on the same account, then all those accounts added together don't keep more than 250 grand per person or 500 grand per couple. Then if you have businesses, don't keep more than $250,000 per business in the bank. And if you have to, then just make sure that you've got reserves elsewhere, that your money is spread out as best you can so that if one bank goes down, you can still bank at another bank. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show. It's another Money Monday here where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. We just came off a wild weekend. I had so many people texting me, DMing me, asking me, hey, man, what's your take on the bank collapses that happened this weekend? Now, if you don't know, and and I'm sure you do, because it was all over the news, it's all over social media, but here's what happened. A bank in Silicon Valley, literally called Silicon Valley Bank or SVB, it collapsed last Friday because there was a good old-fashioned run on the bank. And I'm going to explain to you what some of these terms are as we go along here. Now, what's a run on the bank? For me to to tell you what a run on the bank is, I first have to tell you how banking works. But before we do any of that, what I have to share with you is any money that you have in the bank is protected up to $250,000 by what's called FDIC insurance. And that is per depositor, per account type. So here's what I mean. If you just had a checking account and you're the only person on there, if you have $249,000 in there, the FDIC is going to immediately replenish that account if the bank were to close, so you're just fine. If you had $500,000 in there, they would replenish $250,000, but you'd be out the other $250,000. But if you have a second person on that account, the insurance is per person. So technically, a $500,000 account with two signers on it would be protected up to $500,000, right? So husband, wife, account with $500,000 in it, whether it's checking, whether it's savings, doesn't matter. That would be protected up to $500,000. So up to $250,000 if you're a single signer, up to $500,000 if there's two of you on the account. Now, here's where you get more protection. For legal purposes, when you have a true corporation, right? So not a sole proprietor or anything like that where you're just kind of doing a side hustle. But when you formed a true corporation or an LLC, that corporation is viewed as a separate entity, just like being a separate human, basically. So if you had 250000 in your personal accounts and 250000 in a business account held by a true corporation, like you went through all the process and it was truly incorporated. 
then they'll also protect that corporate account up to $250,000 as well. So here's why I explain all this. Let me get back to what happened this past weekend. Silicon Valley Bank, which is a bank that really favors startups and tech companies. They are a pretty dang big bank, a bank that you wouldn't think has any problems, any liquidity issues, etc. Except the truth is, every single bank has liquidity issues. Because of the inherent reason or, or the way that banking works. You see, when you deposit your money into a bank, the bank only has to keep 10% of your deposit in the bank and it can lend out the other 90%. Now here's where it gets crazy. If they lend it to another person who also banks there and puts that money that they just borrowed into their bank account, they can now lend 90% of the borrower's money that they put in their account as well. And so on and so on and so on. So technically speaking, if you ran the numbers, the bank could lend your deposit out 10 times over. Here's what it would really look like. If you deposit $1,000 into the bank, the bank only has to keep 100 and it can lend 900 out. Now, if it lends that 900 to another person that banks with them, and even for a split second, that person puts the 900 into their account while they're waiting to do something with it. Now the bank can lend out 90% of the borrower's 900 bucks. And you still have your $1,000 in the bank, except technically only $100 of it is there in cash, in reserves. And the other, you know, 900 bucks of it that, you know, when you pull up your account, it says you got 1,000 bucks in there. The other 900 is lent out, but it still reflects a $1,000 balance. You still are owed $1,000. Now follow me here. You deposit 1000 the bank only had to keep 100 of it in cash there, it could lend out 900 It lends 900 to another person who banks there, they put it in their account for a while, and the bank can lend 90% of that 900 or in other words, $810 to another person. If the bank lends that $810 to a third person who also banks with them, now the bank only has to keep $81 of the 810 and can lend out another, what is that, 700 plus dollars? And if they lend that 700 plus dollars to another person that banks with them and they put it in their account, now they can keep or they can lend out 90% of that 700. So they're creating money. It's all fictional money. And this is not news to us. This is the, the system that we've all agreed upon. I just think until this happened, nobody really talked about how fractional reserve banking really works. Now, this is not some banks. This is all banks from the biggest banks in the world to, you know, your little regional bank that might have one or two branches. They only make money on fees and interest. And they can't charge you too many fees because you won't bank there. So that means it from a business standpoint, it is in the bank's best interest, if they're going to be profitable, to lend out as much money as possible. Think about it. They give you, you deposit a thousand bucks of your savings. What do you get paid for a savings these days? One percent, two percent? They give you one or two percent for the money that you got saved there while they lend out 90 percent of it at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 15 percent, 20 percent if it's a credit card. And so they're incentivized by the system to keep as little reserves as the law requires, 10 percent of what the balances say and lend the rest out so they can maximize their profit. 
Now, here's what happens. There's no problem with that because money is just a bunch of ones and zeros in the ethos anyways. It literally is just a bunch of ones and zeros. It's not backed by anything. It's not backed by gold anymore. It's not backed by cash in the reserves. It's not backed by anything. And that's why, from one standpoint, money is infinite because the banks are creating money out of thin air. And the Federal Reserve creates money out of thin air. And stocks, when they go up, they're creating money out of thin air. So money truly is infinite. That's good news. That means you can get your hands on as much as you desire and nobody else is going without. But the downside of this system is that money is also fictional. It's false. And so if a bank has a $100 billion worth of deposits, if it's a $100 billion bank, they only have $10 billion of that available at any given time. And the other $90 billion of it is lent out to people who needed loans. That's what every bank does. And that's what happened to SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. Now, when does this break down? It breaks down when a run on the bank occurs. What's a run on the bank? This is what caused the Great Depression. A run on the bank is when rumor gets out that the bank might be failing or the bank might have some problems. And so everybody starts rushing to the bank, literally running to the bank. That's where the term came from, a run on the bank. Running to the bank, lining up down the block, trying to get all of their money out of the bank before the next person does because somebody, matter of fact, a lot of somebodies are going to end up not being able to take any money out of the bank because it only keeps 10% of the deposits there. Follow me? So everyone panics and they want to be in the front of the line to withdraw their money first or they're like, oh God, I'm not going to have access to my money. That's what a run on the bank is. Now, here's why, here's why it's weird and, and why we're in different times. When the depression happened, a run on the bank was literally a physical run on the bank. Like you had to go down to the bank branch in the 1920s and stand in line and be like, I sure hope you sell my hundred dollars here. I need my hundred bucks before the next guy takes it out. But now a run on the bank happens electronically. So it happens that much faster. Now you can just go onto your banking app and be like, oh my God, I heard my bank's going to fail and transfer all your money out of there to another bank in minutes. So now a run on the bank, or in other words, the evaporation of the bank's liquidity, the evaporation of the, the bank's deposits can happen in minutes if rumor spreads quick enough. And because of social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, because of that, it causes a higher likelihood for a run on the bank to happen and to happen faster because now news spreads faster. Here's the worst part, even if it's not true news. So Silicon Valley Bank, yeah, they made some risky loans, but they didn't do anything different than any other bank. They're not doing anything different than Bank of America. They're not doing anything different than Wells Fargo. They're not doing anything different than U.S. Bank or whatever bank you bank at. Everyone's playing the same game. Unfortunately, word got out that they had made a lot of bad loans and that everybody was panicking and starting to withdraw their money from that bank. So everybody rushed to get their money out. Now, why did everybody rush to get their money out if there's FDIC insurance? Remember, I started with telling you that your money is protected up to $250,000 in the bank per depositor, per account type. So why would everyone rush to get their money out? Well, it's not, you know, Janie and John Smith with $10,000 in the bank. I'm sure they rushed to get theirs out too because maybe they didn't understand FDIC insurance. But FDIC insurance literally makes sure that 
you can access your money the next day so that you don't have an, an interruption up to $250,000 per depositor, per person. Where it would cause problems was there were some mega startups and some mega tech companies that banked there. Tons of companies that you know and probably use on, on the regular. They were a very popular bank for tech companies and startups. So they have a lot more than $250,000 in their business bank accounts. And when word got out, they all started to scrape as much money as they could out of the bank, tens of millions of dollars at a time. Some of them, hundreds of millions of dollars at a time. That's what caused the problem. Then here's where it got worse. The rumors that all the banks could have trouble, the rumors that everything could collapse, is because now all the business owners that looked and said, oh my God, I've got $5 million in that bank to operate my payroll and my, my inventory. I've got $50 million in that bank because, you know, we always have 40 million going in and, and, you know, 39 million going out. But at any given time, there's 40, 50 million in there to operate my business, right? Think of big business, big payroll, big cost of, of goods, big inventories. They panicked and said, holy crap, no matter where I bank, I better march down Monday morning and take my money out because the FDIC is only going to insure 250000 and I got $10 million or I got $20 million and I can't be out of that money or I can't make payroll. I can't be out of that money or I can't pay for my inventory coming in and I will be out of business. This could have been a catastrophic set of dominoes. SVB collapsing could have been the first domino that ruined all dominoes in our economy. Now, what saved it was this. The Fed's Sunday afternoon they met all weekend. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? They had to do something in order to make sure that the banking system didn't collapse on Monday because it probably would have. So they came out and they said, listen, regardless of the $250,000 FDIC insurance, we are going to guarantee your liquidity up to any amount that you have in there, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, up to any amount that you have in there, big company. So that stopped the panic. They literally said, as of Monday, you'll be able to go in and use any money that your balance reflects. You will have no problems. That money is backed by the FDIC. We will ensure liquidity. That's what stopped the run on the banks Monday. That's what stopped the panic, the dominoes all tipping. If not for that decision, we'd be having a very different scary week right now this week. So what does this all lead to? Should you be panicked? Should you be freaking out? Should you be taking all your money out of the bank? The short answer is no. They've demonstrated in 2008, 2009, and they've demonstrated now that they are going to typically always swoop in and guarantee the amount of money that people have in banks, regardless of the $250,000 rule. Now, is that gospel? Is it written somewhere? No. They've just demonstrated that through their actions. The problem is the entire system is built right? Literally, the U.S. Treasury, the whole thing is built on creating this fictional money. So if they have to keep swooping in and saving lots of banks, they have to keep printing more money. If they have to keep printing more money, then that's going to cause more inflation. And then we're going to end up in a world of hurt more than we already are. So what do you do to protect yourself? Well, number one, I still would recommend that you don't keep more than $250,000 per person, per account type. Right. So if you and your spouse bank at the same place and both are signers on the same account, 
then all those accounts added together don't keep more than 250 grand per person or 500 grand per couple. Then if you have businesses, don't keep more than $250,000 per business in the bank. And if you have to, then, because a lot of banks operate with, you know, millions in and millions out every single day. So if you have to, then just make sure that you've got reserves elsewhere, that your money is spread out as best you can. So that if one bank goes down, you can still bank at another bank. Now, this might sound like a pain in the butt. When it came out, this is kind of funny, but it's a smart move. You guys know who Giannis is that plays for the Bucks? The, the, they call him the Greek freak. He has 50 banks with 50 different accounts that he keeps $250,000 in. 50 banks, five zero. He said, someone taught me a long time ago, don't tempt fate, it's on me if I put too much in there and it's not insured. Now that might be a little extreme, but make sure that you're protecting yourself by spreading out where you keep your money. On top of that, don't just keep it in cash. Make sure that you do have other assets that you can access. One of the best things you can do is make sure that you've got massive credit card lines. Now, the problem is they could, if there really was a banking collapse and a banking disaster, they could shut those off in a heartbeat. But at least it would be liquidity for a while. Make sure you have massive credit card lines that are unused, that are open and available. So in case you can't access your checking savings, you could use credit cards for a while. Make sure that you have cash at home, a significant amount, if you had to operate for a week or two or a month. And I understand this is not a luxury for everybody, but these are things that you can do. Make sure that you've got money. I'm not telling you invest in crypto, but we have a significant amount of money in crypto. Now, is it down right now? Yes. But was I grateful when this potential run on the banks was going to happen that I still was able to trade money through Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, which by the way, went up almost 20% when this happened. That could be a clue. People that don't have faith in the banking system are saying maybe this decentralized banking really is smart, but it's another way to diversify your money. There's gold, there's silver. There's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of places you can put your money. The key is this, make sure that you are diversified. Make sure that it is spread out and accessible. Just like we were taught growing up, make sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket. I think in the long run, the feds will always bail out the consumer. But that doesn't mean there couldn't be a scenario where there's a serious interruption in your ability to use the balance that it says in your bank. Be prepared for that interruption. Very unlikely it's ever going to happen, despite what we saw this week. But it's something that you must be prepared for when you have an economic system that's built as a house of cards and a foundation of quicksand. The system works great when we all agree to do our part and honor the system. The system collapses when people panic and everyone turns into each man for himself, so to speak. That's what happened this week. That's the answer to all the DMs and texts and everything else I got. And that's what you can do about it. Plan ahead. Stay safe, guys. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.